Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. Jennifer Schneider used to be the Chief Medical Officer and President of Livongo. In 2022, she started a company focused on improving access to healthcare in rural America. More than 46 million Americans, or 15% of the U.S. population, lives in rural areas. Now the company called Homeward is on the mission to deliver care to those who don't have it, starting in remote areas. In this discussion, you'll hear more about the challenges related to rural health, how could care be brought to the community here instead of patients needing to travel two to five hours for a 15-minute visit, and more. Enjoy the short discussion, and to listen to other episodes as well, go to facesofdigitalhealth.com, where you can also find recaps of discussions. Now let's go to the discussion with Jenny. Jenny, welcome. Perhaps as a warm-up question, how has your last year been like? You were the chief medical officer and president of the diabetes management company Livongo, but then this year you started your own company, Homeward, which is focused on improving access to healthcare in rural areas. So a lot of interesting and exciting things on your end. And while with Livongo, you were very vocal about uh, your personal story and diabetes type one that you're managing. I really wonder what's the story behind Homeward? Where does the interest to address rural health come from? Thanks so much for the opportunity uh, to chat with you. So I am mostly driven by personal passions and personal passions have led me into healthcare. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12, which is what made me end up going to medical school. Certainly Livongo is a personal story. But Homeward is as well. I grew up in a small town in rural Minnesota um, with a very large family. And at the time where I was growing up, I did not see an endocrinologist for a few weeks after my type 1 diagnosis. And I thought that was normal until I went to medical school at Hopkins and learned that those first few weeks post-diagnosis are really critical to achieve a, a balance of blood sugar. And that kind of living how I was living was actually making it very challenging. And I thought that was normal. And after leaving Livongo at the time when we did the transaction, I joined General Catalyst and sat with Paymont Tanasia and my business partner, Amar Kendall, and started to ask ourselves the question, what are really big areas of healthcare that are pretty broken that we think we can uniquely help fix and create a new model? And rural healthcare is one which I am very passionate about and certainly falls into that category. Let's try to define rural health before diving deeper into the topic. The audience of the podcast is global, and I find it quite interesting that when we're talking about rural health, it can mean very different things in different countries. So, for example, in smaller countries, uh, rural can mean 20 minutes away from the city with a hospital, whereas in the U.S. distances are much larger. So I just want to know, what was the most remote area that you visited during your research and field interviews? How many hours are we talking away from civilization? 
Yeah, it's a really great question. So the the formal definition of rural markets is less than 2,500 people in a community. And yet there's a combination, as you mentioned, around density of population and distance to travel. And so one of the things that we noticed in our research is that many people live in what are called health deserts, where they're typically expected to travel anywhere between two to five hours to access health care. Two to five hours. So think about going to your primary care doctor for a 15-minute visit and having to travel five hours to get there for a 15, one five-minute visit. And if you're an hourly wage worker, it's unlikely that you're going to take a full day's off, lose a full day's worth of wages to receive a very short amount of time in terms of clinical care. And so the in many ways, this idea around health deserts and health access is what prompted us to think differently about rural health markets. So when we approached the problem, we asked ourselves, if you were going to design health care service delivery in rural markets, would it look like it does today? And the answer is no. You wouldn't build a center and ask people to go to the center over large distances with la- the lack of infrastructure, lack of public pr- transportation. In fact, you'd probably turn the delivery model on its head and think about how can we bring healthcare to people rather than putting the burden on individuals to go seek healthcare in a world that doesn't provide it or make it very easy. When you did uh, the research uh, to build Homeward, it always starts with statistics, with just the general research that you can get your hands off through official reports. But then the second really interesting part is when you actually start talking to people uh, or to end users, if you already have a product, you always discover things that you didn't expect through those interviews and discussions. And there's always something new that you learn. So how did your research look like? What were some of the insights that that perhaps surprised you when you were uh, doing that part of building the, the company? I'll tell you some stories, but I think it's also really critically important to think about rural is not a homogenous group of people. Because you live in a rural market does not mean you're like everybody else who lives in a rural market. That, that was a very uh, clear lesson that I learned working at Livongo, which is because you have diabetes does not mean you act like everybody else who has diabetes. You actually act based on your family, your demographics, where you live, what kind of work you do, what your personal interests are. And we have to really deeply understand that for our market of populations who also happen to live in rural markets in order to deliver the care that they need and that they want. So, for example, the amount of travel time was is high for people in rural markets. Most people don't like that. However, there are some people that's a very big social outing for them. When we entered markets, we had heard a lot about reluctance in these geographies around people wanting others to enter their house, that their house was a protected space. And as we were in the market, the majority of people said, I would love to have somebody invite them into my house to receive care here. It's one, both more convenient, but there was a really broad hospitality that I think surprised us in some aspects. And so there's a number of these that we and the team are deciphering in the field, but the solution build out will not answer the majority answer. It will have to have a variety of answers to answer the individual answer so that we can be successful at that individual level. 
addressing rural health is a very broad term. So if we try to narrow it down a little bit to the initial things that you're addressing, just some statistics, more than 46 million Americans or 15% of the U.S. population live in rural areas as they're defined by the U.S. Census Bureau. And according to the CDC, the reasons for worse health outcomes actually quite surprised me. So it's not just about distance to care. It's also lifestyle, environmental hazards, habits such as not using seatbelts and various things that are perhaps not directly related to health. So which part of the problem are you addressing and how many people inside this group of people that live in rural areas does the solutions that you're designing refer to? It's a really beautiful question, and it really gets at this idea around what is health really a condition, diabetes, is that health? Or is health the ability to access healthy food, take a walk after dinner, make sure that you can bathe and wear a seatbelt? And the answer is, it's all of the above. And so on those three dimensions, lifestyle, environmental, and access to emergency room and specialty care, we're addressing all of those. And all of those need to be addressed in order to adequately deliver an important and an important and beneficial delivery of healthcare in these markets. So for lifestyle, for example, there's a lot of education and a lot of motivation. And so a lot of what we will do in chronic care pathways is understand how do we deliver the information that people are collecting about their blood pressure, their weight, their blood glucose? How do we take that information? How do we educate on the next best action? But probably even more important, how do we motivate to take that next step? In terms of environment, one of the things that we are doing is we're doing a first visit with our members by driving a mobile clinic to their house. The importance of that is not only because it's convenient for individuals and improves access, but it allows us an insight to what does it look like to live in this house? Is there, if you're someone is handicapped or has difficulty moving, are there a bunch of rugs that they can trip over and break hips, for example? So really thinking through environmental components. And then of course, Access to specialty care is one of the key components that we're doing. We're entering as primary care doctors with the levers to deliver specialty care, starting with cardiology, in addition, because we understand that there's a you know lack of access both to primary care and to higher levels of specialty care. And that drives a lot of the poor outcomes and the high costs of these markets. What's your plan to market the solution? I just find that uh, really interesting because in rural areas, people can be uh, more self-reliant. The work that they do can be even more physical. It's not that you've got people in uh, remote areas that spend their whole days in on the internet. I'm just, you know, wondering how are you going to make people aware that you exist? Is it because it always sounds like you need like a campaign to go around rural areas and really uh, let people know that they can receive care in a different way that they're used to? It's a great question. And you're right that a lot of the marketing here is done at a very local component. And it's done in a way that engenders trust. So one of the beautiful things for me about growing up in a rural environment is you really get to know people and you really develop deep bonds and trust. And that's slightly different in urban markets where there's so many more people around you. But in rural markets, you really know your post person. You really know the, the checkout person at the grocery store. 
And so we're spending a lot of time working in those hyper-local markets and understanding what is it that people care about? What is it that they want to receive? How do they want to receive their care? And then we're partnering with the the people that have institutions that fit into the flow of individuals' daily lives. Where do they go to, ac- to exercise? Where do they go to shop? How do they receive their information? Is it from lo- local newspapers or from the library? So we're partnering um, with these individuals to be able to deliver messages for recruitment and care of, to meet people in their daily, everyday life of their flow, not making them or asking them to do something different, not providing an additional step to receive that care, but really integrating ourselves deeply into the communities. And uh, how are you building the network of healthcare providers that are going to work on this care? You've got uh, local partners and primary care physicians that are already out there, but at the same time, as of March 2021, 62% of primary care health professionals shortage areas were located in rural areas. So there's that problem. To which extent do you employ new healthcare professionals? To which extent can you really work with the existing ones? given that there's not enough of them already? It's a combination. And so where there are existing healthcare relationships, we partner with those individuals and provide services to help deliver enhanced, comprehensive care in a world in which we can help the individual provider take risk and share in the upside of that risk. And we're also looking at leveraging all the licensures. So advanced practice APP providers, nurse practitioners, really looking through how can we get people employed and at that practicing at their highest level of licensure. So for example, there's a number of new technology advances such as handheld echocardiograms that can be applied to a member's chest to receive an echocardiogram, a, a chance to be able to visualize what the heart is, how the heart is functioning, what the heart looks like. You don't need to be a cardiologist to do that. In fact, you could be a trained local high school student. But as we're thinking about care delivery for services, we have to take a new creative approach. We have to leverage technology in order to be able to scale these solutions. But both of those components are true for us. To which extent does uh, that approach pose danger for maybe insurance companies to be hesitant about reimbursement? Because if something's not provided by a doctor, and it's usually done by the doctor, that could be an excuse for an insurance company to say, no, we don't think that this was done appropriately, regardless of the fact that it's just the way that healthcare is going to have to work in the future because of the huge workforce shortages that uh, we are facing. Yeah, so two things. One is we're not allowing people to do things for which they're not qualified. So we're not making leaps and saying, oh, my cleaning lady can write prescriptions for blood pressure medications. We're not doing that. So everything we're doing is like within the guardrails. However, the question I think becomes really important as you look at the types of care mechanisms that we need to use in rural markets because there is a service shortage in order to deliver those services at scale One of the reasons that we're owning the total cost of care is because we cannot rely on the fee-for-service market to be sustainable, to be able to leverage those delivery care mechanisms. So instead, we say, you know what, we'll own the whole risk and I will, our team will deploy what those services are. If we have to do fee-for-service for individual service line, it will never work. However, if you give us the total cost of care, we can adequately provide inpatient with the specialist 
and then a telehealth with a nurse practitioner and then a pharmacist through a telephone call. So we can use those mechanisms in order to scale and be sustainable if you allow us to do the whole cost umbrella. If we're held to have individual service lines working together and a fee-for-service model, it will never work to be sustainably successful. So that's one of the reasons why we believe that we need to walk in and own the total cost of care because the delivery mechanisms that we need to be able to deliver care in rural markets in a shortage of actual providers has to rely more on technology and leveraging of the individual care components. Let's stick with that a little bit. So the business model, can you explain it uh, in a little bit more detail? You already started, but if I understood correctly, also based on the uh, information on the website, you are trying to get compensated based on the cost savings that you create. So how do you uh, calculate those? Yeah, sorry. It's a great question. Our, our business model is we enter a marketplace as an in-network provider, and we take care of people who are Medicare beneficiaries. We partner with the insurance company or the payer to take responsibility of that total cost of care and provide quality medical care at our, as an outcome. So we, in, in essence, get reimbursed uh, by bearing the risk and delivering the care for those individuals. So it's uh, only Medicare uh, beneficiaries. There's so many uh, problems in the field of rural health. And one of them is also the uh, issue of how many people are uninsured. It's 9.1% of the population, which is just a little bit more than 8.4% of the population, which uh, lives inside more urban areas. But still, I'm just assuming that is, is this 9.1% of the people in rural areas, that's just not your initial target? Or how do you observe that problem as well? We are starting in Medicare. It does not mean that is where we will stop, but we needed to pick a population to start to get into market and to get the unit economics and our operating functions at scale. But we have big goals. The vision of our company is to re-architect the care delivery in communities everywhere, starting in rural America with Medicare beneficiaries. And so we will expand, but where we're starting today is within Medicare beneficiaries. The company is still very young. So you officially launched it in March uh, in 2022. Obviously, you've been working on it for several months preceding March. But how far along are you by uh, today? So by April 2022, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the ideas behind the network of these mobile units that you plan on building? So I would say that we have an incredibly talented team. And um, we are not patient. The healthcare issues in rural America only are getting worse. And so there is a massive need for solutions such as ours to enter into this market. And that is what drives us. That is very real. This is my family that we're talking about. So this is something I'm very passionate about. I'm very proud to share that we will be live in market in July. Telemedicine or remote care is going to be a huge part of your business. So one of the things that I'm curious to hear from you is what was your observation about the role of remote monitoring based on the experiences that we had with the pandemic? We went from uh, the idea that now everything is going to be remote to 
many visits uh, and also payment models going back to reimbursement of in-person uh, visits only inside states. Practitioners couldn't really provide care across state lines, which posed uh, quite a few challenges for some people that were accessing care through throughout the, the U.S. Just your observations, which changes do you feel that are going to stick? Which changes are still going to need a little bit more push to be a long-term solution? Livongo was a company that did remote monitoring for diabetes, hypertension, behavioral health, and weight management. And we saw a massive acceleration in COVID that accepted the model of care delivery. Similarly, Teladoc, which is the combination of Livongo and Teladoc through a transaction at the end of 2020, was a um, telehealth company. So do I think that the acceptance of the care delivery models for telehealth and remote monitoring companies will stay? I Do I think either of those are so successful long-term solutions as standalone? I do not. I think you absolutely need a very smart, data-enhanced way to deliver a combination of remote monitoring, leveraging telehealth, and inpatient. And that is what we're building. And I think this idea that telehealth can solve rural America's health problems is erroneous. I think there has to be an integrated solution that allows individual members the care they need at the time they need it, which includes, for sure, telehealth utilization. It includes remote patient monitoring. It includes things such as labs being drawn at home. It includes things such as mail order pharmacy. But it also includes personal time with the physician. In rural America, personal time with physician cannot happen all the time because, as, you, as we just talked about, there is a service shortage in these markets. So you have to allow and use those technology advancements. But those technology advancements alone in rural markets will not work. And so this overarching component of integrating, and you do that through deep understanding of the individual. You do that from collecting health biometrics. And you do that by deploying that all against a data system. So it's not a preconceived model, but each individual person is getting what they need when they need it. And you can do that at scale. So I feel very confident that this is a data game with, a, with an armamentarium of telehealth, remote patient monitoring, inpatient, mobile vans, setting up clinics in different parking lots. It's a combination all around that will deliver health to the population on a sustainable basis. We already mentioned quite a few uh, challenges that are related to um, rural health and also a lot of the solutions that you already have figured out. So I'm curious to hear what do you know after a lot of research, after designing solutions, what do you see as some of the biggest uh, challenges that lie ahead for you? I think that we're going to learn a lot when we're in market is what I really think. And so I would love to reserve the right to come back and answer that. I think we're going to we have a lot of hypotheses about what will work and we're going to learn a lot. And so I'm eager to be live in market in July and take those learnings to iterate on what our offering is. As the chief medical officer and president of Livongo, that was quite a big role to fill. One thing that I'm also curious to hear from you is which skills and which learnings do you find come most in handy for you now running a new company such as Homeward? I think that my learnings from my experience with Livongo are um, a couple fold. One is 
it's really important to do something that matters. And I, by matter, that improves life. That is something that you personally have passion around and the people with whom you're working have passion around that. I think the second is just remaining curious and remaining humble. And if you do those two things, you can actively learn, you can iterate the business and you can deliver what really matters. And then I think the third is, again, it's just creating a culture where people can bring their best selves and their new ideas. And that is a culture of diversity. It's a culture of respect. Healthcare, in healthcare, we service all people. And so we need all types of people within our organization in order to do that, to deliver and drive the ultimate experience and therefore the best outcomes for the people for whom we're working. Since you mentioned that you're going live in, in July, is there anything else that you can share about that? Where are you going to start? How big of a population you're going to try to address? How is that going to look like? I would just welcome you to stay tuned for some upcoming announcements. Okay. With that, is there anything else that you would like to add to the discussion? Thank you. I would just like to reiterate that in rural America, we are at a healthcare crisis, truly a breaking point. People in rural America get have 23% higher mortality rates than people who live in urban markets. 23%. And that's not right. And it's fixable. And so at Homeward, one of the things we're doing is we're entering into these markets with a definitive position, bringing access to improve the quality of care for people living there so that they too have the same rights that others in urban markets have to deliver high quality health care, improve outcomes and do it at a lower cost. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast because it really, really helps other listeners interested in digital health find the show as well. Stay tuned.